Making Media Tells a Story of Our Media Business Colossus. If you aren't familiar with our platform, make sure to check out joincolossus.com. There you'll find our latest episodes across each of our shows, the transcripts, supporting third-party materials, and even some written content as well. So whether you're an investor or an operator, we're out to create the content that we wish we had when we were in those exact roles. Invest like the best, business breakdowns, Web3 breakdowns, and founders each cover different angles of the ecosystem. And our special series like 50X and Return on India are targeting niche topics. Again, make sure to check out joincolossus.com for more on the platform. Let's do this. Welcome to Making Media. Humans are in an eternal quest for convenience. Save me time, make my life easier. My gosh, that was such a good start to an interview. All right, Dom. This is a little bit of a special flavor of episode here. We are creating a conversation about something that we are commonly asked about. And it's a conversation that we often have with many individuals. We figured the best way to do this would be to have this conversation between ourselves, distribute it broadly, and hopefully it acts as a public good for others looking to do something. And as always, we're here for the follow-up questions. That big question is, what do I need to start a podcast? So the format of this episode, we're going to do this conversation, run through the checklist of things. There's also going to be very detailed show notes. So if you already have a podcast, you might want to skip forward, look at the topics of conversation that we're covering. There's also going to be a detailed transcript. If this is not something that you want to listen through, we're going to have a transcript which outlines all the different sections. That's going to be pretty obvious. And maybe we'll do something with the YouTube. Not sure about that quite yet, but youtube.com. We're growing our subscriber base quite significantly there. And this might be a fascinating funnel to get more of those subscribers. But on to the actual conversation itself, Tom. Are you excited for this one? Yeah, I'm pumped. This is our bread and butter. So hopefully we can do a good job. Otherwise, we should both look at ourselves long and hard in the mirror. So hopefully we can impart some wisdom and just generally get tactical, I think. More just straightforward nuts and bolts stuff, I think, to help people who are thinking about whether they should start a podcast and even what goes into it. I meet a ton of people. I tell them I'm in the podcasting game. They're like, are you on Spotify? Let me tell you something. It's actually pretty straightforward to get your podcast on Spotify. Me and you could do this in the next five minutes, give or take a few minutes. So hopefully we get people behind the curtain and show them exactly how straightforward that stuff can be. But before we get to kind of the software side, I thought maybe we should start with the hardware. That tends to be the fancy stuff, the exciting bits. People see microphones, they wonder, ooh, where's that from? So I think we start there and you're the hardware expert in the room. So what do you need to start a podcast from the hardware perspective? Yes. So I think you need to start some type of laptop or recording device which you are going to record that audio file onto. As much as we'd like to just have a conversation and have it go somewhere in the cloud, you actually need to deliberately hit record on some type of device. We use our laptops. Obviously, you can use any laptop that you might have. You get into the memory dynamics. But really, if you're doing something simple, especially if it's just audio specific, you can record with your laptop. You can actually record with your iPhone and get an audio file. We have done that before with some of our intros. So I think that is step one, is having some type of device that you are going to record onto. And the cost can be significant, where you can have a very specific audio device, which you can bring anywhere. As long as you can plug in microphones, you're good to go. 
or you can have something as basic as an iPhone, and then you have the in-between option in the laptop. Yeah, I'm not sure how Apple will fool you about you calling that main product basic, but you're right. So we've got something to record onto. Talk to me about mics. They're the things that tend to get most of the attention when people talk about podcasting. What mic do I need? Yes. Well, you can use the advanced microphones like Mr. Joe Rogan. He uses a Shure. That's with an S-H-U-R-E. Those will cost you in the $300 to $400 range, but you can use something as simple as an ATR X2100, which Dom is holding in his hand right now. The differences here is something like a Shure. I can stand close, far. It's going to basically balance out my audio. If you're holding something like Dom's holding, you basically need to be holding the microphone within your esophagus to get the highest quality recording. The further away you stand, the less powerful it's going to sound. ATR2100X, that costs $70 to $100, depending on what Amazon wants to price it at any given day. We send these microphones to our guests. Not all of them use it, as some of you like to let us know in the comment section. But basically, there's very cheap microphone options. You can get started with a mic that costs you $70 and sound excellent from an audio perspective. But honestly, you can go back and use AirPods. And I think the funny thing is, you'll see a lot of people on main news networks right now calling in from different places using their AirPods. So if you don't want to make that huge investment into it, you can start with something like that. But to give you the sense of spectrum here, we have AirPods, which are a device you might have already. We have the $70 microphone, which really works for 98% of what you're doing. And then you can get yourself up to the Shure microphones, which are in the $300 to $400 range. Yeah. I would probably advise people to get an ATR2100X to kick things off while you're in the experimentation phase. I do think it makes a difference, particularly when it's just an audio product like podcasts, because people, and we'll get onto this, tend to be listening while doing other things, whether that's driving, washing the dishes, etc. You might not be in a perfectly quiet environment. So if you can crisp up that audio a little bit, then it helps a ton. And as Matt said, they're less than a hundred bucks generally. Cool. What's next on the agenda of things to buy? Well, I think you start to get into some of the software now. So you have your microphone, you plugged it into some type of device, which is going to record that audio file, but you actually need something that you need to hit a button that says record, and you need to have some type of software program that has that button embedded within it. So again, we have free options. If you're doing a monologue podcast, you can go to the sound recorder or QuickTime on your Mac. These are probably free software services that are already embedded in. That is out there. There are free options out there. What you're going to use on a conversational style podcast is most likely something like Zoom, which we use and many people use for their day-to-day work, or something more podcast specific like Riverside. Zoom, Riverside, those are going to cost you in the $20 to $30 a month range. So really not a super expensive product if you're going to give this a go. What you're able to do there is record your audio tracks, have multiple different people participating at once, and they have pretty simple tools in terms of getting the highest quality audio out of them. What you ultimately want is for each individual person that's speaking into a microphone to have their own dedicated audio track. And that way you can embed them together and make a clean, crisp audio file when you mix it all together. So we ourselves use Zoom. We use something like QuickTime or Sound Recorder for a lot of our intros, again, when we're doing something monologue related. And these are the next step in the process in terms of what you need for recording. Yeah. And I'd say the difference between Zoom and Riverside, because we get this question a lot as well, is Riverside has been specifically built for podcasting. So you might assume that we should be using Riverside. And there are a few other 
similar type of services as well. We use Zoom for simplicity. I think Riverside only works on certain browsers and we've had a few issues on other podcasts with some uptime issues with that particular platform. And so we just use Zoom because it's super simple. Everyone's been on a Zoom call before. It's a familiar interface for them to deal with. They don't have to download anything or go anywhere unusual and it very rarely fails on us. This is probably true to some extent. You lose a little bit of the audio fidelity, but it's not enough for us to want to switch at this point in time. Who knows what the future may bring, but that's why we choose Zoom over Riverside for the time being. We generally at the moment record most of our conversations not in person. But if you are in person, there are other devices that you will need to be able to record a podcast with nice crisp audio. That's right. Yes. And you can go back to when I was mentioning that hardware, when you aren't using an iPhone or a laptop, there are specific devices which allow you to record specifically onto a memory card. And those are made for podcasting. So whether you're on a bus, just out and about having a picnic, wherever you want to record your podcast on the go, you can do it with those devices. And we can list some of those in the show notes as well. Yeah, go grab them from there. And then, so you've recorded the podcast, whatever it might be. At the moment, you've got an audio file, likely an MP3 file. How do we turn that into a finished product? Probably the most interesting software that we use for our day-to-day is a software by the name of Descript. And what we do with Descript is only a fraction of what Descript can actually do for us. So we use only a limited amount of its capabilities. But you can think of Descript as an audio editing tool and much more than that. We will take our conversations, we've recorded them into audio files, we have them somewhere in a folder on our computer, we drag them, we drop them into Descript. What it then does for us is basically pulls down, creates an AI-generated transcript, and we can hit play, and it's just going to take us through the entire conversation. It'll allow us to edit that conversation. It has advanced editing tools, which neither Dom or I know how to use. We're restricted from using those audio editing tools. But if we're feeling dangerous or spicy one day, we might test some of those out. But what it allows us to do is basically look for sections of the conversation we might want cut. When I say, you know what, we better cut that from a conversation, that's usually a pretty good signal that we're going to remove that. And Descript can point that out to us very, very easily. You can do all different types of stuff with it. And if you ultimately want to record into script, you can actually do that too. You get this product for somewhere in the range of $12 to $25 a month. So again, it's very inexpensive. And a lot of our business actually runs on the script. We take the script and those transcripts that it generates where we make comments in terms of editing, and we send that out to external audio editors. But many people could actually decide to do the editing themselves within Descript if they want to. It's an alternative to a tool like what Adobe has with some of their editing. Yeah. I hope people are getting a sense of the gross margins in podcasting. What a fantastic opportunity given the low-cost apparatus you need. With Descript, honestly, it's like magic. You get a transcript in the space of about three or four minutes. It's not something that I would want to publish, but it's definitely good enough to use. You can skip through the conversation at whatever speed you want to. You can even slow it down. And if you want to take all the hassle out of this, then there is a button that will take all of the ums and ahs out for you in the space of five seconds. We don't use it because sometimes it makes some slightly aggressive cuts. But if you're just getting into the game, then I would encourage you to use it because it definitely helps as you're figuring out what you're doing. Yeah. You can identify your filler words incredibly quickly with the script, which will make you feel good about yourself when you hear them removed, bad about yourself when you have to talk in every other context in life. Yeah. And it underlines them all so you can see how many there are. The other thing I would mention is 
just some of the uniqueness of what you can do within Descript. I was talking to my wife this past weekend. She was saying that AI is getting very scary. It can basically record any conversation you have and then splice together your words to create whatever message it wants to create. And what I said is, you know what? You've actually been able to do this on the script already. So if I say something along the lines of, I think that's a 10% improvement versus last year. And afterwards, I say, it's actually a 20% improvement. Well, we can find somewhere on another conversation where I've said it's a 20% improvement. And with Descript, it's a pretty easy drag and drop. So that should make you both excited and incredibly fearful about the possibilities of something like Descript. And for those keen business breakdowns out there, that's a feature we use quite happily in there just to make sure everything's tidy and in line with the financials of the business. Exactly. So I think those are the main things about the actual recording process. You basically need a device which you will record onto, a microphone, some type of recording software, some type of editing software. Those are the things that will allow you to take something like a conversation that we're having and translate it from just a conversation that would be left in the ether forever, never remembered again, and turn it into something that can live evergreen in the world because it is now recorded onto a file. But the next question is, well, how do we get it to the masses? You have this file, what's next? So basically, I need you to walk me through the process because you deal with most of this stuff. How do you create at the most basic level, the let's call it feed, which goes out to the broader world? Walk me through the steps there. Yeah. So the feed being an RSS feed. What does RSS stand for? Oh, God. There's something simple standard. You tell me. Really simple syndication. Well, yeah, there you go. Look, I'm no techie. It's an RSS feed to you and I. But that's the key thing that makes podcasting podcasting. And it's an open standard, as far as I'm aware. And so to create one of those, you basically want to go to a hosting provider. You might have heard of Libsyn or Megaphone, which Spotify bought, Transistor, Simplecast. Those are some of them. There are a number of other platforms that you could go and use. You sign up for one of those. And at this point, don't overthink it. Just find the cheapest one because you don't really need many of the bells and whistles. We used Libsyn for a number of years. We have moved to Megaphone, which is slightly higher horsepower. But I wouldn't say you need Megaphone at this point in your journey. You just need someone that can build you an RSS feed and help you distribute to Spotify, Apple, etc. So you've signed up for one of those. Let's say you're with Libsyn, you've signed up. At this stage, you need to have an idea for your show title. And it doesn't matter. You can change this over time. And I think David Senra talks about how founders did not begin as founders. And it had quite a quirky name. And he since changed it to founders, which I think we can all agree is a good idea. But the only thing it will lock you into, I think, is the name of the RSS feed, which no one will ever see. So don't worry about it. But you do need to put something in there. It'll give you a nice story when you become big. And so you put that in there. And then you set yourself up with an account. And we'll get onto this. But I think when you're starting to think about launching a podcast, the thing that we talk to tons of people about is just start. Start creating something. Don't sit there thinking about, oh, what podcast could I create? Just do something that fits your eye and satisfies your interests. So at this point, you've come up with a title that you think works, some very simple artwork and an audio file because you've already started creating. Then you put it into Libsyn, all those details or any other hosting provider. Let me stop you there. What do you put into Libsyn? Well, you upload the MP3 file. The MP3 file, which you've received from the script or from Zoom, whatever you recorded onto. Correct. Yeah. And you've uploaded your artwork, which you may have created in Canva or any of the other number of services, or you might have gotten someone to create it for you. 
there are a few other fields you have to fill in. So you need to give your podcast a category. So your business or investing or arts or culture, that type of thing. And then you need to give the show a description. So what is this show going to be about? All of this stuff is changeable. So at this point in time, you just need to fill out these as best you can and give yourself a sense of what this podcast actually is. And then once you've filled all of these out for your first episode, then you publish or whatever it might be. And you have created an RSS feed and the RSS feed has all the information of your particular episode with the title, the artwork, etc. And that now lives out there on the RSS waves. Again, I'm no techie, so don't, don't come at me for this. But you might think at this point, you're done. Wake up tomorrow and it'll be on Apple. It'll be on Spotify. It won't. The way you actually get them onto Apple or Spotify is you have to go to each of those platforms and add your RSS feed to them. So you go to Apple Podcast Connect, or I think it might be Apple Podcast for Creators Now, or Spotify for Podcasters, or Google Podcasts, and they'll have a section there which says, add your or claim my podcast, add it to Apple or Spotify, etc. And again, very simple steps. You go in, you tell them who you are, you give them the RSS feed URL, if you like, which you've gotten from your hosting provider when you first set up the podcast. You input those details, they'll say, oh, is this making media? And you say, yeah, and I am Dom, please publish my podcast on your platform. And then they'll confirm that you're all good. You're probably going to have to fill out the categories again. And they can be slightly different, I think, for each of those platforms or slightly different to what you'd put in your hosting provider to begin with. You fill out all those details. They'll say, great, it'll be uploaded. And then there are varying timescales. So this will can take from hours to a couple of days, generally. I think a week is probably the longest we've ever seen. But yeah, over the next week or at least few days, these will start drip feeding out into the real world where you can send people an Apple link or a Spotify link, et cetera, to go and listen to your podcast. Thanks for letting me ask you the questions about all of those things and not just going on a monologue that was... Jump in at any time. <laughs> this stuff gets me excited. So I'm just let it play. So the host, the Libsyn, the megaphone, transistor, this is where your RSS feed is created. Think about it like a GoDaddy or something else where you're registering a domain name. It is where you create the thing that you're ultimately going to host all of your audio files. Then you need to go into your distribution networks, Apple, Spotify, Overcast, Amazon, Google, name your podcast player of choice. There is not an option in any of these hosts to just click off. I want to distribute this onto all of these different platforms and networks. That's non-existing. No. So there are some quirks with this. So Overcast, for example, if you upload something to Apple, it will automatically go onto Overcast. So they must rip it off Apple. And then there are a few others where you can, on your hosting provider, tell them, I want it on X, Y, and Z, and they'll do it for you. But they're not generally the ones that you'll get the bulk of your listeners from. So you do need to go do the legwork up front. Understood. Okay. And is there any additional cost? I know that for something like Libsyn or Megaphone, you can get these for free. So Megaphone or Spotify for podcasters, which is the more introductory level service, you can actually do that for free or for a very low charge in terms of hosting your podcast. So there's not a cost to it. Once you start to get into the bigger download numbers, no big deal. No, a few people who have those problems, it does cost more money. And that can be on a per download basis or something else. But naturally, these hosting providers have to host a lot more files. It takes up a lot more storage. There's a lot more that goes on. So you could be spending a decent chunk of money. You could be spending as low as 20 to $30 a month, even with having a substantial amount of downloads. So again, not overly cost 
painful in terms of what hosting providers charge you. How about in terms of Apple, Spotify, Overcast? Are there any additional costs associated with putting them on those platforms? Not as far as I'm aware of, but I didn't hold the purse strings around here. Nope. There's no additional costs. Out of curiosity, do you know generally what the split is in terms of downloads per those different podcast players? Apple, Spotify, Overcast. When you think about what are the most important ones to be on, obviously you should be on them all. It's not that much of a painful process, but I'm just curious in terms of download numbers and statistics. I'll speak from our experience because I haven't looked at the latest industry trends or market share data, but the heavyweights at Apple and Spotify, that'll account for at least 80-90% of all your downloads. Overcast, I'd say probably is in the range of 10% of your downloads, and then Amazon and Google make up the slightly bigger of the long tail, and then the rest make up a fraction or a handful. And so, as Matt said, it's definitely worth just putting them all on there. It's a one-time thing. It's not like you have to do it every month or every year. Once you've done it, you've done it. Just make sure you go and do that nice and early, and then you don't have to think about it ever again. But yeah, Apple and Spotify are the two biggest ones, unsurprisingly. And at the moment, particularly for us, Apple is still significantly bigger than Spotify. That has been changing, but I think it will still take a while for that to flip where we're concerned anyway. Yeah. And each week, you'll see a download report. You can actually see it on a minute-by-minute basis within your hosting provider. So whether that's Libsyn or Megaphone or something else, you can look at the number of downloads you've gotten, which players those downloads are coming from. Some very basic geographical data. I think there are improvements in terms of the data that you'll be getting, but it's still a ways away from what you would like to see. But that will give you some sense of where your users are listening to your podcast. Yeah, it's a really good point. So your hosting provider is also where you get your stats for your podcasts. This is one of the frustrations about podcasting is one download on one platform will be different to one download on another platform. I won't get into the specifics. It's just one of the frustrations of this industry at the moment. And so like as you move around, you'll notice them slightly different stats within error bounds, but they're slightly different. And they also show you slightly different things in different formats. I think whatever you first choose, you'll probably get used to and you'll be fine with. But that's just one consideration. Yes. And I would say the best information in terms of listening trends is probably coming from Spotify. Now, you still need to adjust for certain things because they've started autoplay. So you might notice with some of your episodes, you immediately go from 100% listenership at second one down to 80% and it's just an immediate drop. That's because there was an autoplay on your episode where somebody was listening to something else and immediately started playing your podcast and they don't want to listen to that podcast right now. So you can adjust for little things like that, but it's going to show you throughout the episode where you see major drop-offs, who's finishing the first quartile, second quartile, third quartile, etc. And I think that's useful in some ways. Now, you can't over-extrapolate that information too much, but at least it gives you some sense of what you're doing. Yeah, it's a good point as well because... I've got a lot of those. Thank you. Yeah, you're doing well. You'll get most of your data from your hosting provider just because it's the simplest and it's aggregated from all the different players. But then you will get more granular, better data from going into Spotify for podcasters or Apple Podcasts Connect and just seeing how people on those platforms are interacting with your episodes. And as Matt says, you'll be able to see when people drop off. So if you have segments in the shows that are particularly exciting or you think might work or you're experimenting with them, you can actually see whether they do help retention or whether they make it worse, et cetera. And you can iterate based on that. But yeah, you see them all on one platform and then you can go and just dive down into the more detailed stuff. And obviously Spotify knows the age and the geographic area of all your listeners, et cetera. So you see that information too. Let's transition a little bit to the content itself and some of the things that go into the content. I actually wanted to start with 
one of the first things that I hear when I turn on a podcast, which is some great theme music related to those podcasts. How does that actually come to be? Do you have to hire a local band, reach out to the music executives? How do these podcasters do it with the intro music for their podcasts? You have to reach back to when you're in school and learning to play the triangle. That's where you begin. We play the recorder over here, not the triangle, but together might make a nice band. You went straight from nothing to the recorder. That's big of you. Us Americans, advanced society. (laughs) No wonder you're a superpower. All right. So in truth, music, again, there are a bunch of different platforms that can do this for you. One of them is Pond5. That's P-O-N-D number five. And effectively, these are just... I don't know what the the specific word is. I'm going to call them a platform of different music clips. They vary from 30 seconds to a minute and a half or so out of all different varieties and genres. And you can spend, and I have done hours, just searching through, trying to get the feel of what your podcast wants to be, how much energy you want to have in the intro and the outro, what style you want it to have, all this stuff. I mean, it has everything you could possibly ever wish for on there other than the very specific thing that you actually want. But if you spend enough time searching, you'll eventually get there. And you can download it, buy it for all of 10, 20 bucks again, and for a license that you can keep forever. So generally go to one of those places, find something that you're happy with, download it. Pond5 is a good option. It's what we've used for all of our podcasts. And while you're searching for your trailer, you will also encounter, if you've ever been to a corporate conference and you've had to watch a corporation play a video related to what they're doing, you'll see where they get that really weird, intense, deep music. Then you have the background voice at XYZ Corp. We make a real effort to be involved in the community. And together, (laughs) we strive for more. So together, we could do this with XYZ Corp. I don't know if we're going to be able to splice in like a really deep, intense background music, but I hope we can because Pond5 just has, no matter what emotion you're looking for, they literally have a taxonomy for emotions in your corporate speech. So you might drive yourself a little crazy trying to figure out what you're looking for for trailers. And I can guarantee you when we bring these into the creative room, pretty much everyone hates every option that you bring. So you just have to know that going in. But yeah, Pond5, it's a whole social experiment in terms of the experience of picking something like that out. Yeah, you won't know how many times you could be inspired by corporate music until you've entered the world of Pond5, all the different genres and different takes on inspiring office music. For sure. Okay. Well, you have the music, but then where do you get those beautiful voices that talk about the show that you're doing? Do you mean the the hosts? Well, no, we have different voices like business breakdowns. That's not an employee of the firm. No. Yeah. So we have the lovely Lisa is who we use for our shows and Turtle Simpson. (laughs) I don't even know what her name is. I've forgotten. Her name is Lisa, and she has very dulcet tones that people... And honestly, the number of people that have emailed me about who does the voiceover for our show is quite incredible. We also have a few friends and family of the show. (laughs) I'm going to stop you here. How many people have emailed you? Four. But that's four more than I'd expected. Is it actually four? Yeah. Genuinely four. Yeah. Would you expect it more than four or less than four? Well, no. It was a pretty big mic drop when you said the amount of people that have emailed you. Well, I stand by that. Look... At this point, if you're thinking about launching a show, you can go into the professional ranks, find someone like Lisa to do it for you, or you can do it yourself, or you can get a friend or a family member who you think has a particularly nice voice to do it for you. And spoiler, there are a few friends and families of our shows 
we're not above that or beyond that. I think it's particularly nice to have other people within the ecosystem, within the broader family on the show. So don't overthink it. I guess the bigger thing with regards to those voiceovers is the content. Make sure that it's engaging, interesting, and tells people what you actually want to tell them. Yes, I would agree with that. Probably doesn't matter that much, but as you get more and more advanced, there's something to good music. And it definitely triggers something in people's brains when they hear it over and over again. So it will get you connected with your audience if that's the first thing they hear when they turn on your podcast. Let's dive into the actual content itself. This is a little bit more around the art, and maybe it's a little bit more about how we think about things. So we're going to transition away from actual hardware, software type things and get a little bit more into the art of podcasting. How do you decide what you want to create a podcast about? What's the exercise that you would think about if somebody's like, I want to start a podcast? My very first question is to disregard the last 20 minutes of what you just heard. And this is the only thing that matters when you think about launching a podcast is finding something that you want to do forever or talk about forever, because this is a slow burn podcasting. It's not a quick, high growth, high return on investment upfront activity. It's something that's going to take you a while. And so you need to be able to stick with it in order to go big. There's no coincidence that the biggest podcasters in the world are the ones that have been doing it for a really long time and started off as people who weren't celebrities. So you need to think through what are you uniquely interested in, uniquely passionate about, and what can you bring that is also unique? I think you'll see stats like there are 3 million podcasts out in the world, slightly misleading because I think there's only 20 or 30,000 active ones at the moment. 150,000. 150,000 active. I try and make the number smaller. It makes me feel better. There's still plenty of competition. And also you're competing against every other form of media and entertainment out there, whether that's watching stuff on YouTube, on Netflix, listening to the radio, listening to music, etc. So you need to give people a reason why they should give you 30 minutes, an hour, two hours of their time. And that really rests on thinking about something that you love and that you'd be happy to do forever without ever getting a single penny back from that investment. Okay. So you have to pick something that you're interested in doing. How much of that is the topic versus how much of that is the format? Topic, I think, is the key here. Really deeply thinking about why you want to do podcasting in the first place as well. There are so many other... And we've talked about this on the show a number of times with different people. Finding the format that works for you. Some people just really like writing. Some people love to be in front of a video. Other people love to talk and not worry too much about the video. And I think like finding the medium that works best for you and then thinking about what you're trying to do. If you're trying to grow an audience, then I might argue that a podcast is probably one of the tougher mediums to start with because it will take you a long time. Once you get an audience, they'll be incredibly loyal. You'll be able to monetize it really well. But it's not going to be something that you turn on within a year. You're going to be huge. All of your dreams will have come true. It's going to be a slog. And I can tell you that from firsthand experience. So really thinking through those more existential questions you need to be doing at this point in time. I'm sure that you'll come to this with some ideas of an area that you particularly are interested in and also maybe uniquely qualified to either host people on or talk about yourself. And so marrying those two things up and being prepared for the long haul is my advice. What would you say to that? Yes, I would agree with that. I would say the subject itself really matters. Why would people want to hear you talk about that specific subject? So if it is something like sports, 
there are a lot of other people talking about sports. Why do they want to hear you talk about sports? It might be because you're funnier when you talk about sports. It might be because you are in locker rooms and have a lot of close friends. So you get access to a lot of information that other people don't. That's why they would want to hear you talk about sports. Or maybe it's because you have really great chemistry with the other hosts that you're talking about sports with. And that's why they want to hear you talk about sports. But that is a very crowded segment. Then there's something like on the opposite side of the spectrum. Maybe you want to talk about new ice cream flavors. And it's like, okay, well, how many people actually want to hear someone talk about new ice cream flavors? How many people are out there that also talk about new ice cream flavors? So the subject itself is important. I think just getting on, recording things with you and your friends actually isn't a bad use of time. It just might not be lucrative from a monetary standpoint. So the subject itself really matters. And I think it's good to start with a constraint and stay very small, hyper-focused. Not exactly what we've been doing, but at least giving yourself some guardrails in terms of the path that you're following. And that's going to allow you to grow much faster because people are going to be attached to topics and subjects much faster than they're going to be attached to you. So they're going to know a lot about the topic before they know anything about you. And it's going to take a while consider the first time you meet somebody and you hear them and you talk to them, you don't really know that much about them and you might come back and you might talk to them again. It takes time to develop that relationship. So if you have a subject that they're attached to first, then they can grow and build that parasocial relationship with you over time. And that's going to take a little bit longer to develop, but the subject acts as the training wheels to accelerate that. Yeah. You want your listeners to be able to explain in literally three words, what they get from your show. And if they can't do that, then you're probably not specific enough. Three words around that. That might have been hyperbole, not like my four readers earlier. And actually, one of our earliest guests, Eric Newsom, talks about you want to be able to explain your show and how it's totally unique in the whole world in a 10 word sentence. Just keep drilling down until you get to the very essence of like, okay, this is what people get from my particular show. You want to advance your listeners' lives in some way. And how exactly are you going to do that? And I would say, if you think about us, we have very much understood that we're outsiders in the media. And people love to get an outsider's vantage point of situations. So this is a very common theme in movies or in sitcoms where you take somebody who's a transplant, not fit in with whatever society that they're moving into. Usually this has to do with social class and monetary dynamics. For here, we're just going with people that were in a different industry and looking at this industry. But it's little things like that. Like what is unique about your perspective that you can add and then they can pick up on all the personality quirks as time goes on. Yeah. And I would say like we're not focused enough at the moment. If our goal is to drive more listeners, that might be part of the goal. But I think like we haven't quite found exactly what it is that people come to making media for. There are lots of other great media podcasts out there. And I think we're working on that. You need to think about a title. How do you think about a title? Before how you think about it, the reason why it's important is because for SEO purposes in the podcasting world, generally people find podcasts from going either listening to a podcast and someone's recommending another podcast because they think it's very good or word of mouth is the other, probably the biggest driver podcast growth. But there is value in playing the SEO game in podcasting because I think the stat of 40% of podcasts are searched. I'm not sure I believe that much, but definitely some percentage of new podcasts are found through search. And you'll find your Spotify's, Apple Podcasts, etc. They all index by your show's title, the episode title, and the author. Those are the three key things when you show up in search results. So it is once you've gotten to a point where you really know what your show is about, coming up with a title that explains exactly that is important because you're more likely to show up in those search results when people do actually search for things. 
there is no way 40% of podcasts are found via search. Live and direct from statistica.com. No, it wasn't. But I did actually get that from an SEO person who I was talking to about podcast SEO. So maybe it's no surprise that it's slightly inflated. But I think you and I can both agree that some people do find it through search. I actually don't even know if I would agree with that. I don't think there's very many people that find podcasts via search for the title. They might find them for search for the guest, but that is different than search for the title. I disagree with you. There is definitely people who find podcasts for searching for specific... Give me an example. Thank you. I'm still here waiting. I think to float my own boat, Business Breakdowns gets some new listeners because people are searching for how businesses work. And I think Business Breakdowns will come up because of the words that they're searching for when they're thinking about how do businesses actually work. They might search for the specific business but they're not searching for how does a business work in a podcast search engine. Or careers-based podcasts. I bet they get found through search. Someone's typing in, how do I break into a specific career? I'm sure there's a podcast for you and you'll find it through search. We're just going to have to agree to massively disagree on this point. I think the title of your episode should have some context for what's going to happen and you should feature the guests prominently in titles. But I'll just stop it there because nobody is searching podcasts like that. I will disagree about this, but I think for the purpose of this particular exercise, it's worth thinking through your title and making sure that it does represent what you're talking about. Well, do you think people find Jay Rogan by searching him? Yeah, because it's his name. Exactly. (laughs) Again, that's my point. People will search for names or maybe specific subjects like a business Rolex or ASML that we feature on Business Breakdowns. They're not searching for, how do I get a new job in sales? I think you'll be surprised. I will be very, very, (laughs) very surprised. You're right. I will be very surprised. I agree with you on that. If anybody out there searches as if they're talking to their therapist or career coach for looking for podcasts, please let me know. We want to feature you and make a big stink out of it because I don't think you're real. No, please let me know. Okay, moving on. Launch strategy. I do think this matters. Hang on a second. We're not ready for launch yet. Okay. What other dimes of wisdom? (laughs) I think you might agree with what I'm about to say. In tying a bow around our content section of this episode, just get started. And that's what we say to people who come to us and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing. And they might have an idea for what show they want to create. Our advice, and we followed this advice ourselves around about this time last year with Making Media. Just start recording stuff. Go through the process that we just explained in terms of getting comfortable with the recording apparatus, with the platforms, the distribution, etc. You can set up an RSS feed that you don't end up linking to Spotify or Apple or any of them. So no one can search for your podcast, but you can send your closest friends the specific RSS feed that they can listen to through Apple Podcasts. You can have a private feed where people can listen, critique, help you figure out what you're doing, and you just get comfortable with it. And just start doing it. Start recording stuff because you find, A, you're developing the muscle. B, you'll start to work into, okay, I think this might be where the show goes long-term. And C, most importantly, like you get a feel for whether you want to stick with this thing long-term. Like You don't want to launch something and then stop it three or four episodes later. Do that work ahead of time where you don't need to go into the hassle of, a huge launch promo and thousands of tweets on this is going to be the biggest thing ever. And I'm so excited about it. And then you just burn out. Find that stuff out beforehand so you don't waste your time down the road. So just get going. Go through all the steps we've talked about. 
put placeholder titles in, whatever you need to do, but just start creating. And I was listening to Rick Rubin talk to John Mayer, and this was exactly what they were talking about in terms of artists. Don't ever sit there and think about what a song could sound like. Just start singing. Just let everything come out and you'll soon start working your way to Nirvana, if you like. And I think the same applies here. So get out, start doing it. We're always on the same page as Rick and John. So I would agree with all that. And I think you start to train the muscle, get into the flow, get more comfortable behind the mic. And as Dom mentioned, he's gotten much more comfortable hosting, as have I. Other shows, in addition to what we're doing, and there's so many different things that you pick up on related to that. So am I okay now to move forward? Please, I'm ready. Thank you. Launch strategy. You mentioned the first thing in the launch strategy that I have in the bullet points in our outline was to do several recordings first that you get significantly better with practice. So we probably don't need to hit on that again. Yeah. I would like to let everyone know as well that I put that bullet point in. Yeah. And you told me to stop when I was about to transition to that. But you work out these little idiosyncrasies between you and your host if you're doing a co-hosted show. Launch. What's the right way to go about a launch? Because there are some nuances to actually getting your stuff onto Spotify, Apple. So what's one of the smaller things worth mentioning there? You're actually much better at this stuff than I am. So I'd like to turn the question back on you and you can answer it yourself. Oh, great. I like that. So in order to get approved onto those platforms, you need to have some type of episode to submit to them. So this is where you will usually submit a trailer. Trailers can describe your show. They don't actually have much use. I think, yes, it's a good way to give a description for your show. But at the end of the day, you need to have your show being very good. So you can submit your first episode. It's just you don't know when that's going to reach the platform. So if you want to have like a very clean launch day and basically say subscribe on all your feeds, what you really want to do basically like two weeks before that is submit a trailer to all of those podcast players so that you make sure when you release that first episode, it's going to hit on all the podcast players at the same time. And anybody that's subscribed, which you want to be building up subscribers before then, is going to get that auto downloaded and it's going to show up in their feed. Now, there's some unique dynamics with the algorithm, how it works, the way that charts work. They will heavily weight new followers and the amount of total downloads, total downloads that your show receives. So if you have your trailer, your feed is ready to rock, and you submit three episodes, anybody that's subscribed to that feed, especially in Apple, there's an auto-download feature. So they're going to download three episodes at once. So let's say you have 50,000 subscribers, you're going to get 150,000 downloads versus just 50,000 downloads. And yes, we are still back in the archaic ages where we just measure based on total downloads with some of these charts. So you are going to jump much higher than someone who gets 60,000 downloads on one episode. Interesting, unique dynamics there. So those are things to keep in mind. What you will see in the most extreme version of this is people take old feeds and have a lot of existing subscribers that might not be producing the same show anymore, and they will recycle those feeds with new artwork, a new show title. And what happens is when they release new episodes and whatever new show that they're coming out with, all of the old subscribers on those old shows will get auto-downloaded episodes hitting into their podcast players. That's why you see a lot of those jump up the charts. It's kind of just like an interesting inside baseball tactic, which I think is smart recycling feeds. And that's all going to help you with the algorithm. It's just more of the creative stuff that you can do. Yeah, it's just a momentum game. Hence why you see at the top of the charts, the same people all of the time. What other things would you mention around launch strategy? 
in whatever area you've chosen, try and find people that in the same area who may have an audience and try and give them a heads up and say, hey, here's what I'm doing. And then maybe give them the first episode or two. You're trying to create some energy around your launch. If you're going for a big launch, you might be going for a soft launch, which is totally fine. But if you want to get new subscribers and followers early, find people in a similar sphere as you who you know have an audience. Hopefully it's a podcast audience, given that that's probably where your followers and listeners are going to come from. And try and get them to help you push it when it comes out early. So you're increasing, again, the surface area. So the number of people that see that you have a new podcast and, hey, here's what it's about. And so whether that's people in your area who may have a podcast or don't have a podcast, but do have an audience, just getting as many people. For example, if you see someone say, oh, I listen to this podcast, it's great. That might not have the same impact on you. But if you hear five people in your area that are saying the same thing about a single podcast, you're probably going to start listening to that podcast or just check it out and see what it's like. So if you can do that and find people in your area, help them in some way and ask them to help you back, that would be one suggestion. I would agree with that. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into launch and then growth, which I think is an entirely different episode that we can get into but at least creating some noise around your launch if you want it to be something big is definitely helpful. That is where you will get most of the early attention. And you can actually live off that attention for a long period of time after that. Now, you need to continue delivering high-quality content. I think it's always great to start with something that's truly excellent. That's going to bring people in. But you need to sustain that excellence, keep giving them good subjects that they're interested in. So I won't go too far beyond that in terms of launch things because I think it starts to get into the growth tactics and those are unlimited, but agree with what you just said there. Unlimited. I'm interested in that. I'm not sure I found the same thing, but it will be a separate episode how to grow a podcast. And there'll be others as well, how to produce a podcast, how to ask great interview questions, all to come. But yeah, at this point, I think you're out there in the world and you've got to keep grinding away. Yes. So again, we will have this so that you can review it, show notes, transcript, maybe something beyond that. If you need assistance in terms of connecting with some of these products, services, platforms, reps at these places, please let us know. We have pretty strong relationships everywhere and ship some podcasts. It's a great exercise. Even if it's for something small for family and friends, I think there's a lot of creative things that you can do. And once you have these things out there, you never know who's going to find it down the line. So that's the most interesting thing to me. You see a lot of these old blog posts resurfaced 20 years later you don't know who people are going to be 10, 20 years down the line. So everybody gets excited about listening to these successful stories and these entrepreneurs and hearing their tales and wisdom and all that stuff. Well, the reality is there's a lot of those people that are out there right now. They just haven't hit that mantle. They're going to hit in 10, 20 years. That might be you. That might be the person that you interview. But it's going to be really interesting to not just see something that this person has written 20 years ago, but to hear what it sounded like in their voice, the tone of their voice, the emotions that they had about what they were doing, and how the story does or doesn't align with what ended up making them successful. So that's the magic that I think you can tap into with this. Yeah, the barriers to entry are truly super low. So just get out there and get going. Don't wait for any the right equipment or software, etc. It's all there. It's at your fingertips. It doesn't cost very much. Just go and create. Amen. All right. Well, if you have follow-ups, please, please, please reach out. And if you disagree with anything we said, please, please, please reach out. We are taking it all in. And yes, if there's anything additional that we didn't answer that you would like to know, please let us know and we will answer it. And if you've ever found a podcast by searching it, please, please, please let me know. Yeah, if you're out there, we'd love to know it. All right. We will see you next week on Making Media. 
Yeah, see you then.